You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Is there an identifiable clinical prodrome that precedes development of full bipolar disorder? Welcome to our special series on children's mental health. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Christoph Carell. Dr. Carell is a research psychiatrist at the Zucker Hillside Hospital at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York. He is also the director of the Adverse Events Assessment and Prevention Unit and the medical director of the Zucker Hillside Hospital Recognition and Prevention Program, an NIMH-funded clinic focusing on the identification and early intervention of individuals at high risk for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dr. Carell, what is the evidence that there is a definable prodrome for bipolar disorder? This is actually a very good opening question because this is still quite debated in the field. While we have much more information about the psychotic prodrome, that is the early stages of illness expression before full schizophrenia develops, we have very little data comparatively in bipolar disorder. This may be due to the fact that many times what we see is the overt full mania in the emergency room. Somebody is taking their clothes off, is pacing, thinks they are Jesus, and it's so much in your eyes. And you think, well, how could that have started a couple of months prior? I mean, everybody should have noticed. So it's hard to know exactly how many patients have a full-blown acute onset and how many have much slower onset of the illness. There are some studies that have looked into pre-morbid conditions like character traits and have shown that patients who develop later bipolar disorder may have cyclothymia, which means they have more mood swings, they may have more depression or irritable mood, or they may be hyperthymic, which means they are go-getters. But many of those people never develop bipolar disorder. So rapid mood shifts is something that may be an indicator only when you haven't had that as a character trait before. Other studies have looked at the relapse after people had full bipolar disorder and said, well, what happens when you have the next episode? Now, this is somewhat flawed because the brain is already geared into mania now, and you don't know whether the initial symptoms before biologically there has been full mania are the same as if when there's a recurrence. Be it as it may, uh, in one large study of 17 studies, it's a meta-analysis, they looked at psychotic symptoms occurred in almost 50%, mood changes in 40%, psychomotor change, either agitation or psychomotor retardation in a third, appetite change and anxiety maybe in one out of five patients. But sleep disturbance, not needing to sleep as much, was one of the leading criteria. The best studies that have been done for the prodrome are actually in children and adolescents who are offspring of bipolar parents because there's the feeling at the moment that we don't know who's at true risk for bipolar disorder, so why don't we study offspring? The problem with that is that only 10 to 15% of subjects who have a parent with bipolar disorder actually will develop this disorder. So we will miss people who just develop it, uh, although they don't have an immediate family member with this. But in those studies, what has been found is that there's just more mood brooding, and some of them develop a bipolar disorder. Another warning sign for bipolar disorder is actually early onset prepubertal major depressive disorder. For kids, it's not as likely to have full melancholic depression, being psychomotorly retarded, not eating, and being fully down. This is often the first sign of bipolarity that expresses itself 
as a major depressive disorder, or when it happens as a major depression in adolescents that is associated with psychosis, for example. Given all of this information, what should we look for in children, and especially adolescents, who we think may be bipolar? I find clinically this is one of the most difficult diagnoses to make unless it's just full-blown and obvious. I agree entirely. And we have to put this into the context that there's always a diagnostic pendulum that swings from underdiagnosis to overdiagnosis, underrecognition to overrecognition, and we're not sure where we are right now in the US regarding this because just this month there was a publication in the archives of general psychiatry where Mark Olson's group at Columbia published that there's an enormous increase in the diagnosis of pediatric bipolar disorder from 30 of 100,000 patient visits to more than 1,000 out of 100,000, whereas the increase was by the factor 2 or 3 in adults. So there's more recognition, but it's a strong recognition in kids. And the worry is that maybe we're just overdiagnosing anybody who has some mood symptoms or an outbreak or in the storm and drunk phase of adolescence. On the other hand, we may now recognize more that these disorders actually have an early onset. We know that 50% to two-thirds of adults who say they have bipolar or who have diagnosed bipolar disorder report the onset of the first symptoms into adolescence and early childhood. This is new, new data, so I think we're also a little bit more cognizant that this may have an onset earlier on. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Children's Health on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Christoph Carell. We are discussing bipolar disorder in children. Given this tremendous explosion of at least uh, diagnoses of bipolar disorder, does it mean that we've just missed it all along, or is there more bipolar disorder to be had now? Again, when there is a question that is not fully answerable, most likely both is true. There may be some overdiagnosis in some kids, and there is some accurate recognition. And then we need to study these samples in the long run to see what do these patients turn out to be. We don't have the longitudinal data in all of them, but in child psychiatry, you know, we often see patients that have an NOS, not otherwise specified status, but we can't wait for them to develop full diagnosable adulthood criteria-based disorders like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. They have mood disorder NOS, bipolar NOS, psychosis NOS, but parents bring these patients, schools send them because they can't function anymore. So we need to intervene even though they may be on the spectrum and maybe treating on the spectrum can also prevent the full expression of the disorder and help patients to catch up to be more on a de normal developmental trajectory. Because remember, in child psychiatry, for kids not to mix with their peers, not to be at school, that is a psychiatric emergency because for them to stagnate means they fall back in their development. Their peers are catching up and they don't. And what they don't accrue in this critical developmental period may not be accruable later on. So it sounds like early intervention can make a huge difference. Exactly. And this has heightened this need for early intervention because, like in other disorders, diabetes, hypertension, schizophrenia, earlier onset means worse outcome. We know from comparative studies that patients who have their onset of bipolar disorder in adolescence or childhood are more treatment refractory, have worse outcomes, have more suicidality, and don't achieve a functional level that people have who have a later onset of the illness. Now, thinking about, uh, again, many of our listeners are, are primary care physicians. 
the reluctance, I guess is the best word, to treat children with psychiatric problems. Yet in so many areas, it's so difficult to get a child psychiatrist appointment. In some places, it's impossible. So the primary care docs really are often left on the front line without any support. Anything that we can do to help them, I mean, again, it's so difficult for us as specialists. I I really empathize with their predicament. There is a program in bipolar disorder. We have recently completed a study asking parents and uh, adolescents who had bipolar disorder diagnosed within the last three years. And basically 80% of the, or 90% close to, uh, said that, yes, there was a slow onset of the problems, which then either deteriorated quickly or slowly. And when we look at symptoms, they include, again, non specific symptoms like drop in school functioning, drop in social interactions, but also increase in irritability, racing thoughts, mood swings and mood liability, depressed mood, increase in energy, and new psychomotor agitation or anger outbursts. So if there is too much mood, which is not just explainable by, oh, these are adolescents who wrestle with their parents or, again, substance use that may uh, induce that, I think more of an evaluation is needed. What the problem is in children that are seen by primary care uh, physicians is that often they see them for depression. And that is either this is the first manifestation of bipolar disorder or it's the child that just talks about the depression and not about some of the other symptoms. So it's very important to also get collateral information from school, from family members. And then the question is, if I have a depressed youngster that also has a little bit of irritability, which in kids can be an expression of depression, different from adulthood, because they just express the illness differently, do I start an antidepressant? And I just want to make one quick comment about the antidepressant story. In adolescence, has gotten a lot of press because of the FDA concern that it may increase suicidality. So the drop antidepressant prescription is quite strong over the last uh, year or two since this warning. But for the first time in decades, there is also an increase now in suicide attempts and completed suicides. So I think this warning has A, highlighted that, yes, there is a subgroup of patients who may be activated on these drugs. And these may actually be the patients who are bipolar disordered and only express depression right now, and then you're bringing out the diathesis for bipolarity with the antidepressant. But there is a vast number of people who are just depressed, quote-unquote, and if they are not treated with antidepressants, they now are not as helped, have more depression, and can kill themselves. Actually, that was exactly the question I was going to ask you is, what is the realistic fear that we should have in using unopposed antidepressants in kids in general? So do we not do it? I think the data shows that you should do it, but what the FDA warning has highlighted is that suicidality is a component of the depressive illness we are treating. So just giving an antidepressant and hoping it will get better or patients take it reliably is not good enough. We have to follow patients, particularly early on in treatment, very carefully to see is the suicidality getting better, is it getting worse, are they forming a plan, do they collect things that they can kill themselves with. And I think this needs to be done in anybody who is depressed, particularly when you start an antidepressant. But you shouldn't not 
treat people who have full depression because then they will have an even worse outcome. The question then is, what are the warning signs, the red flags for a depressed adolescent or child where you may not want to start an antidepressant but rather use a mood stabilizer that has antidepressant capacity? We have now two available. Lithium obviously has been on the market for a very long time. And then Lamotrigine, which has a risk for rash in, in younger patients, but if you titrate it very slowly, it's not uh, as much of a problem here. It's one out of a thousand or so, unless you combine it with Depakote. But where do I want to do this? And then I should also say there are now atypical antidepressants that also seem to have good antidepressant capacity and would guard against um, a flip into mania. Atypical antipsychotics, correct? The atypical antipsychotics, like the only one that has currently an indication for bipolar depression is quetiapine, but other drugs are being tested for unipolar and bipolar depression, uh, both augmentation and monotherapy. I'd like to thank our guest today, Dr. Christoph Corell. We have been discussing prodromal bipolar disorder, as well as when to think about not using antidepressants in children and adolescents. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. 